All right, Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. A Nolcast that I am uh, eagerly excited to do, Bud. That's that's fun. There's been some. Always love doing the Nolcast. There's been a couple recently that have been more challenging, but we got some good schedule talk here. We can go over that. Look at who you're playing, who's playing before you play them. Uh, get as good of an idea. Interesting wrinkle with the schedule, having the third bye week worked in because of the Ireland game. Uh, but fun conversation tonight. Working on hotel Wi-Fi. Uh, so one, apologies that we're starting a little late. I was trying to get on the uh, the better system here. So that's on me, not Bud. And if we have some difficulties, uh, apologize. Just trying to make the most of uh, of what we can. So we'll thank all of our sponsors. Bud literally just put down the uh, last parts of a Reuben sandwich. Come back here after having a little dinner meeting. And uh, can assure you that Madison Social is as quality as it's ever been and fortunate to continue to work with those guys as we have since really the inception of the Nolcast. Dude, Ruben Day is always a great day there. I uh, Shout out to Jim Harbaugh for delaying their announcement uh, <laughs> of going to the Chargers until after I finished uh, making some um, like Korean-style short ribs on the Blackstone for the family. So that, was, uh, that was good. I don't cook a lot during the season, so in the offseason I try to take a day or two off the wife's plate and just, uh, you know, have me be responsible for the plate. So also when you're cooking outside, less mess inside, just, just generally good. However, Matzo Rubin can't beat that, man. That is, that is good stuff. We know a lot of our fans hop in there and they're big fans of Matt and the crew. Dude. So the schedule dropped today. Well, I guess it dropped Monday and it also dropped Tuesday and it, uh, it also dropped today. Um, it's a little pathetic that like the ACC does this like copycat. I know why they do it. I mean, the SEC network has like a successful playbook and that's how they roll it out and whatever. I guess we'd be sitting here criticizing them if they didn't make a big deal out of the schedule and do a multi-day reveal like the SEC does. <clears throat> the problem is people don't give a damn other than the, each team's individual fan base about most of these games that don't involve FSU Clemson, Miami, maybe to some extent UNC. So it doesn't hit quite the same. Like People are not like, oh, got to see what the mm-hmm. whole ACC schedule is. Whereas, you know, ESPN and Good Morning America are doing the, uh, the SEC. <laughs> yeah, not quite the uh, broader cross appeal. You're right. Um, I will give them credit. Uh, one, there's some comments and I've received a couple of text messages. Uh, we've been recording Battles in videos and interviews with the players all day. So that's the rather extensive light setup. If you see that in the background here, um, I have not spent, you know, thousands of dollars on lights for the Nolcast quite yet, but uh, maybe, maybe at some point. Um, I will give him credit, man. Wasn't it just a couple years ago that we were talking about this, like in April or whatever, yeah. like the, the crazy late announcing of the schedule. So at least we've moved it up to January um, again, as someone who has a job that is uh, tied at times to the logistics of the sport, uh, I appreciate that a little bit as well. Um, so, you know, incremental progress, I guess, if nothing else. But yeah, I mean, I saw your comment on uh, the brands that drive, you know, the vast majority of TV viewership. Uh, I think you said swap out Wisconsin for Miami and you pretty much had the blue chip ratio or something like that. Um, 
It's small, man. And the brands that drive TV viewership in this conference is very small. It's really one or two. Um, so, yeah, I don't see, you know, Jim Phillips sitting next to Robin Roberts anytime soon on the GMA set to talk about the the debut of the ACC schedule. But I am happy that they've at least pushed it up a little bit in the calendar and we can sit here in the uh, final days of January and have an idea as to what fall is going to look like. I will say uh, off Jump Street. Given that you are currently suing the conference, mm -hmm. they could have, to some extent, screwed you and did not. Yeah. Now, to the extent of which they could have done it, I think is, is open for debate because some of these games, if, if Florida State is doing its job, are not that difficult, right? doesn't really matter what order you play them in. But some of them it does. Like, they could have done some nasty stuff, you know, a short rest Clemson or, mm -hmm. you know, Clemson, Miami, and Notre Dame within like a four-week span or something. Like a three-week span would just be too obvious. But you know, they, they could have done some nasty stuff to you, and they, they didn't. I mean, you can nitpick some stuff here, I think, which is fair. But, uh, I mean, I don't I'm, – I'm trying to think of things that Florida State could have asked for that it didn't get. Mm. You know, and I can't imagine that list is, is too long, honestly. So uh, – even if you wanted to screw him over, it didn't happen. At least not not to my eye. What what was your first reaction when you saw it? You know, more or less. I mean, we had you had an idea as to what what fifty or sixty percent of this thing was going to yeah. be. Um, you know, it, it look. I knew it was coming. It still takes my eyes. I mean, I sent you a mock up of what I thought the schedule would be earlier today, and I'm still like, yeah, three buys and a. I mean, that, that's going to take some getting used to. Uh, now, obviously, you're playing in Ireland, and that's going to have a ripple effect on the rest of your schedule. But um, it really does set up to, you know, opening two games, buy, get a get a reset, go through the stretch there that ends at Clemson, buy, get a reset. The real meteor schedule that everybody's eyes are going to immediately go to is the Miami, UNC, whatever they look like this year. Uh, stretch with with the Notre Dame trip, uh, I guess a little bit later in the year than maybe I would have liked. But man, in <laughs> in the year twenty twenty three, the beginning of November, it's it's not you know, it's not exactly like you're going up there in December fourteenth or something like that. So uh, who knows? Maybe I jinxed it and it's twenty two degrees with three inches of snow or something like that. But I, I think that'll be a pretty manageable uh game as far as a weather perspective and then you get another buy and you run you know have charleston southern and, and florida i just think the season uniquely kind of uh bifurcates itself and pardon the pun using buy there but you know you can break it into these segments and hopefully if you uh you know, hopefully you avoid uh what was this year's duke game where you just had so many people injured uh, but if you do have something like that, you're never more than, you know, two or three weeks from a bye game to which you can try to get or by week rather to which you can try to get to and see how many of those smaller injuries you can you can get taken care of. Totally. It's I don't know that Florida State agreed to the, the game in Ireland because of this, but I love that they did because of the extra bye week it affords you. you know, this is a team that it may have growing pains early. And not from a skill level necessarily, although we'll find out the, the the skill level more as we go through spring and we go through summer workouts and 
and we get the feedback and we, what we see in practice and whatnot. But you're probably going to need some more time to gel. And having three bye weeks is legitimately nice. They have 21 days between Notre Dame and Florida. Mm-hmm. You get a bye week, you get Charleston Southern. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's that's a big deal. Like, granted, Florida, who knows who will be their head coach or their quarterback by that time. But no coach at Florida State's ever going to turn down having 21 days between their, their last FBS game and playing the Gators. Like, that's, that's – Yeah, and it, and it sets you up for a team that expects itself to be in the conference championship game. It, it sets you up for a nice stretch there. And, you know, if that goes well um, – you know, I would love to think that Florida State's 13-0 this year or whatever. Maybe they're not. They're in, If they make the playoffs, I guess what I'm trying to say is if they make the playoffs, in my opinion, one, they will. And two, they're probably more likely to be a 5-12, through 12, which means you've got a game coming up on either the 21st or the 22nd of December, and you've got another, you know, stretch there which you can kind of try to load manage and, and get yourself ready for the final, final run of the season. So – yeah, I mean, I, I know people go, oh, man, Miami, UNC, Notre Dame, whatever. I mean, there's always going to be a stretch in your season where you play some competitive games back-to-back or back. Um, I think this is about about as friendly of a setup as, as you could have hoped for. 100%, yeah. I, I the We'll get there when we kind of go sequentially, but um, Ross Martin, who covers North Carolina and does a great job for 24-7 sports, he tweeted that the two biggest games on Carolina's schedule were the game at Minnesota and the game hosting JMU, which to be fair is a damn good Sunbelt team and beat, you know, beat UVA and a bunch like they, but I, I, I tweeted that and I said, is that not sort of a commentary on the state of the program in and of itself, this tweet? And some Carolina fans responded like, yeah, it could be a little bit of a step back uh, th- this year. You do lose Drake May, who uh, we've been working on some, like social content coming up for cover three. Dude, Drake May. Um, not sure the coaching staff there did a whole lot to help him out this year. He did a whole lot to help that team out there. Like that guy is uh, somebody you, you're not going to look back and be like, man, I wish we could have played Drake May. You know, like that's not a thing that's going to be said. So Carolina's probably a, a step back team. If you had to play Miami or the Carolina team of the last two years and then Notre Dame in a three week span, I, I completely agree with that but uh my hunch is that carolina at home on what's probably either homecoming or parents weekend is perhaps not quite as difficult although it's a sandwich game to to be sure i mean think about it you got you know it's sandwich between miami and the irish uh it may not be quite as tough as people think that it uh, that it could be so i love the ireland game i don't want to do this every single year I think if you are somebody who owns a local business, you probably hate the Ireland game. That's completely understandable. Uh, but it is cool to go over there and do it, you know, expose other uh, other continents to our sport more. And uh, it's it's probably good exposure for the brand. It'll be a standalone game. Got to avoid the casinos, unlike what happened in Nebraska against Northwestern. If you guys know the story, then you know the story. But uh, yeah, not... Uh, not something you need to be hitting up the night before the ball game or the early morning before the ball game. <clears throat> Cornhuskers. So yeah, if FSU can stay out of, out of that casino that's by the stadium there, I think I think they should should be. I mean, they're not gonna, they're probably not going to crush Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech can score pretty good, but I don't know if they're going to play any defense. You know. 
Yeah. Yeah, Georgia Tech's a nice little stretch for them. They like where they are with uh, with their quarterback. And um, you know, Georgia Tech kind of knows where they are in the college football world right now when it comes to NIL. And they're I'll give them credit. They're doing a really good job of being smart about how they're doing that. And they're one of these teams that, in my opinion, is kind of like sneaky good at operating in modern college football right now. So, um Abominable snowman. Didn't what this guy hadn't he been like a forever listener who maybe has gone oh. away a little bit? A great, you, great name. Always remember it. Appreciate did you your know time. your name is an anagram for ramming this? Ramming this. Didn't um I'm not really like an anagram person in general. Uh it's not the way my mind works, but I play Jeopardy with my wife every night. It's like the one thing that I tell her, like. I don't care what's going on. I w- we will sit down for 30 minutes and yes. watch Jeopardy. And uh, I can't, I just can't, my mind doesn't work like that. I can't get any of those, like mix it up, reframe a word, whatever. So we, the like before and after, like where you got to kind of combine the word once. It, yeah. Like, yeah. Mix the two. It's like just Th- Thomas Jefferson Davis type thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did not know you were a big Jeopardy stand, man. I, uh, when I was first dating my wife, I was over at their house and her dad thought he was good at Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I'm like good enough to win on the show, but I'm damn sure a lot better than he was to the point where he thought I was cheating. Like I was watching it at an earlier time or something. I was like, man, it comes on at seven in Orlando. I don't know like how you get advanced <laughs> copies. Of this, but it was, so did, your story reminds me of one of on my, <laughs> yeah, your story reminds me of one of my favorite athlete anecdotes of all time. Uh, this is back like I used to RIP Sports Illustrated. My dad got me a subscription to Sports Illustrated when I was like eight years old. I used to read it all the time at its heyday. It was awesome and incredible. And if you're in your late 30s or 40s or older, then you have an appreciation for what Sports Illustrated once was. But they did this profile on, I'm pretty sure it was Shannon Sharp. Not, yeah, not Sterling. The the tight end, not the wide receiver. Right. Um, and he was like, Man, if you ever played Je- – if you ever watched Jeopardy with me, you'd be like, I swear to God, this guy pre-recorded this and knows all the answers or whatever. So <laughs> – That's awesome. So Sharp goes on Celebrity Jeopardy, okay, and gets asked a question, uh, basically like, what direction is not included in a state's name? Boom. Sharp buzzes in. He goes south. Um, Wait. want to point out – that Mr. Sharp played He's football from. at South Carolina State. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's some good old celebrity jeopardy for you. And I appreciate the Noelcast listenership letting me uh, hash out that that monologue for a second, as it is one of the things that constantly lets me laugh when I think back at that. I was gonna say, like, I'm 100 percent sure he played for some. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Um, all right, so I like the Ireland game. It, it's not it's not a nothing team. I mean, Georgia Tech, we can definitely say that that Georgia probably screwed around with them a decent bit and, and played with their food at times. But if you watch Georgia Tech down the stretch, they did find ways to score points on almost everybody. I think Buster Faulkner, for them, is a very respected young offensive coordinator. He was on Kirby's staff, and, and they scored points quite a bit uh, in the bowl game. Against they did a great job against Miami in the final seconds of the game. They did. Points. I mean, just scheme yeah. that open is scheme is that open. Yeah, two NFL safeties back there, man, and just uh, 
it's a it's it's a shame uh that 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 had to happen you come back now you play a labor day game against boston college Um, did they announce this as as night i believe i would assume i would it would it would almost have to be i would think but yeah unless they announce some other labor day game uh this is going to be the night game because the other uh, labor day games so far really kind of suck so you know that that would be that would be my guess uh I like that if it is the night game because that's great to beat the heat. Also, coming back from international travel, having one extra day to get ready, to me is is preferable. Uh, just just because BC did play you tough this year, and you could say you had the flu, and I 100% believe they did, uh, just from all the guys who were walking around with masks in, in September. But still, uh, you know, BC is. They're not good, but they're not so bad where you can just screw around the entire time and have like some international travel hangover and expect to just win by forty. Not not with the not with the uncertainty of this roster currently. Like it's not a problem. It's just like there were more countable assets on last year's team. Like you knew what you were getting with some of these guys. You know what I'm saying? This year has more uncertainty, which I think makes it more fun to cover. But also, I, I'm glad we have the extra day there. Is what I'll I'll say about that. And then. You get your first year bye weeks, which I I like that too. I don't hate this early bye week thing because you go overseas, you play Georgia Tech, come home, play Boston College on, on, on a Labor Day, and then you kind of need to settle into that Saturday to Saturday rhythm. You know, it allows you some of these kids probably gonna have some stuff with their classes, by the way, during this. Like, hey, okay, this class does this, and I have to post on this discussion board. Let me get in this kind of academic rhythm, you know, because Playing Labor Day stuff and overseas, it's going to throw your just sort of everyday life schedule off too a little bit. Um, how will home field advantage be with fifty thousand capacity enough to impact your gambling stuff? But uh, not much, honestly. Like, I to me, no, I I don't think it's a huge disadvantage that like, for the Florida game and for the Clemson game somewhat more because I think it matters more in those really, really big games, you know, uh, there is sort of like a variable home field advantage relative to spread, but again, they, they feel like they need to make these upgrades and changes to the stadium for more premium seating. They actually used my, the boosters, I believe for their board meeting a couple of years ago, used the study that I had first made on Tomahawk nation about the population within a certain ring. Cause nobody lives in the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. uh, which is, you know, so geographically, like there's not a lot of folks that live, within like a two, three-hour drive of Tallahassee, you know, outskirts of Jacksonville, large swaths of like what you can get to in Alabama and and Georgia are very sparsely populated. So, yeah, it's just hard for people to day trip Tallahassee seven times a year. Unlike Athens, I mean, they could fill that place with just the people who live in Atlanta and never have to buy a hotel. So, um, do you have any Boston College thoughts? No, I mean, uh, interesting uh, Labor Day game. Interesting that you get the, you know, you have two kind of national games there to open up with the starting the season in Ireland. And I got to imagine that's the first major college football game of the season. Um, yeah, Boston College, whatever. I mean, you know, they've got a nice, nice components. Coach had a nice year when he kind of needed to, needed to make a bowl game last year and did. Um We'll see. You know, I, I don't think that'll be a problem. 
all the stuff that you talked about, flu game, et cetera, uh, is true. But I I think that sets up well for you and you get a chance to have the bye week there and then kind of fall into the traditional, you know, schedule of having games when you expect them with the exception of uh, what the Duke games a Friday night. Duke is a Friday night. Yep. Also, if you're Adam Fuller, the only tape you really need to show the team is, hey, this Thomas Castellanos guy, yeah, he can go. He showed everybody in the world last year he can go against y'all. So you need to go ahead and lock in for this one. We got the bye week next week. Good week of practice. Let's go. You know, so yeah, you should be two and zero to the first bye. And then if you're Norvell, the chat if you are, the challenge is going to be expressing them like, hey, you guys think you're hot stuff. You're not. There's still a lot more stuff to work on if you want to get to your goal, which when I eyeball this schedule, my thought is, all right, if they're not in the playoff hunt, like into November, I'm going to be disappointed. If they make a good effort and they don't make the playoff, but they're in the, like they're actually in the hunt late in the season, I'm not going to lose my stuff over that, right? Because that, mm-hmm. that means you probably turned in, I don't know, like you finished probably somewhere like back half of the top 25, okay? And even if that were to happen, which I don't, again, I think there's a decent shot they can make the playoff, honestly. But if it did happen, like, okay, whatever. Like, you're still establishing. 2022, you won 10 ball games. Last year, you went 13-0, and 0, and then, you know, whatever. I don't count that stupid ball game. Uh, and then, you know, you would have another season in which it's 9, 10, 11 wins. Like, that's pretty consistent. You know, if you're winning 35-ish ball games, 34 ball games in three years, people take notice of that. For sure. So um, I think the next stretch is super important because getting to 5-0 and o matters. So you get Memphis come to town. 90-second scouting report on Memphis. The Hennigan kid is probably the best G5 quarterback. I know a number of teams tried to like get with him, and he just decided he wants to stay at Memphis. I don't know if, uh, if he just loves their staff or – it's family money or whatever it is, or maybe maybe Memphis got that FedEx check for, for NIL. Who knows? Uh, but I'll tell you all right now, if you can't get to him, and Memphis does have a lot of turnover on the offensive line, so I've already been looking into that a little bit. That kid's one of the better quarterbacks you'll play all year. I know he plays mm-hmm. for Memphis. I'm just telling you. like I watch a lot of, of, of Memphis. He's pretty damn good. Hennigan is his name, Seth Hennigan. Their corners are some of the absolute worst corners you will ever see play D1 football. Like, I'm talking, I don't think any of the Memphis corners would be on scholarship here. Mm-hmm. It was unplayably bad. Like, everybody that played them, it was just, all right, so we're going to have to score 50 today to win 50 to 42. <laughs> it was, like, seriously, if, if you look at some of their scores, it was, uh, um, it was pretty horrible. So, again... It's a home game. It's probably not a night game, I would guess, because it's you know, like this could be a game where if you're in the stands, bring an extra bottle of water because you may need to score. Like if they put up low twenties on you, don't freak out. Like it's a better offense than what you saw this year from the Hokies. Certainly Duke with a hurt Leonard. Like they they can score and they have some actual NFL guys on the outside. Um, I know some dudes on Iowa State staff who said like their skill talent was as good as anybody they really faced in the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma. So, look, again, this will be a legit challenge for the defense. It mm-hmm. will probably if it's a challenge for the offense, we got problems. 
Okay, because you should score every freaking drive against these guys. They uh they're legitimately very bad. Yeah, so they allowed um they started out okay, and then Missouri put 34. Uh they beat Boise on a blocked punt and a blocked field goal. Uh they allowed 32. Then they held Tulane to 31 at home. And then it kind of went nuts. UAB had a, a boatload of yards on them, 45-21. They won. And then North Texas put 42 on them. USF scored 50. Uh, Charlotte scored 38. SMU scored 38. Temple, which was a dumpster fire and a half this year, scored 21. And then they beat Iowa State in the bowlgame. So, yeah. Um, that's a game you should score some points. And you may allow a little more points than you're totally comfortable allowing, I guess, just because people aren't going to... Memphis has better personnel than some of these ACC teams you're going to face on offense. Yep. Defensively, yep. they do not. That's probably a lot, of, a lot of Memphis talk. I apologize. Yep. Mike faces his old team, and uh, I went to, like, a, a very, very small college, and it cracks me up that Ryan Silverfield was at Hampton, Sydney, while I was, and that's just... Really? Still struggling to wrap my mind around that. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, uh, kid out of Jacksonville, Florida. Nice, nice guy. From the very brief interactions what I had with him, and uh, I knew Mike Mike Norvell thinks exceptionally highly of him as well professionally. So, uh, it'll be a fun game to see. I uh, oh, speaking of things that you like, you didn't think would last, or just from a long time ago. I'm gonna read you a list here. This is kind of a good little interlude. Oh, I've got on the next Nolcast. Assuming yeah, we, we can do this, I've got some footage of. Uh, Mike Norvell playing ball as a wide receiver. Do you? Let's yeah. break it down. Yeah, we'll break it down. Got got three or four clips that I think we can play. So nice. I love it. Footage. We will break that. That we got to make a YouTube short out of that too. <laughs> are are they catches? Like I mean, I, I don't want to spoiler it. Like yeah, there there's uh, a new one. Highlight. I think I, I think we've got two catches to show. Yeah, I like it. There you go. Yeah. All right. One of them, if I remember correctly, it's a little like little bubble screen or something. You get to see, you see Mike out there doing some things. Got some wheels. Yeah. All right. So check this list out. Buffalo, Lance Leipold, Central Michigan, John Bonamigo, Colorado State, Mike Bobo, Florida, Jim McElwain, Houston, Tom Herman, Kansas, David Beatty, uh, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, Nebraska, Mike Riley, Oregon State, Gary Anderson, Pittsburgh, Pat Narduzzi, SMU, Chad Morris, Troy, Neil Brown, UNLV, Tony Sanchez, Tulsa, Philip Montgomery, Wisconsin, Paul Christ. That is the list of coaches who were hired in 2015. Mm. There is one coach hired a decade ago who is still at his job, Narduzzi. Who you don't play this year anyway, but I just uh, with Harbaugh off to the NFL tonight, it made me think like who's still around there from, uh, you know, from that era. Um, let me see here. How is the battle? I've actually had the battles in tequila. I don't know why I'm asking. That's actually excellent. yeah. Thank yeah. you. You uh, you were able to get the first bottle that was ever uh, ever brought about. I'll post a uh, link to it in the um, comments. I got a text from our tequila partner. Uh, over the weekend, and he's like, "Dude, we're out selling like massive brands online. How is this happening?" I'm like, well, people want to support things. Take uh, that, George Clooney. Yeah, <laughs> and the uh, the tequila happens to be very good. So, yeah, did put a, a link in there if uh, any of you are are interested in it. 
Uh, I think we might have a vodka. And then um, I've always had a interesting relationship with a certain scotch company uh, over in uh, Isla. And we may actually be buying like a what's known as a hogshead um, of scotch directly from them. And we'll see. We're working on it. Might have some cool things coming. If you need a Battles in bourbon hookup, mm -hmm. I, I may have a guy. We'll be there. Well, that'll complete the uh, the triumph, definitely. Cool. Although, um, my buddy in Nashville is a shareholder at this thing. It's actually the largest whiskey and bourbon collection in the Western mm -hmm. Hemisphere. Yeah. So I've, I've had I've had some people talk to me about we, this. We, we, we may have to, may have to like like just you know you may have to have a business meeting up there, uh, if, like <laughs> legit it, and uh, we'll have to yeah check that out. Um. All right. So. Look, Memphis, we just talked about, they might be the best G5 team out there. You're still Florida State, and you're Florida State, and you are doing a nice job with personnel, and we know Mike Ravel can really coach, so you should beat them. Uh, Cal comes in after playing uh, San Diego State, so they should be pretty fresh. It is still a, I think, a difficult game for Cal to come play in that heat. Although I will note this year, uh, they went and played North Texas, which is terrible, but still, they played at North Texas in the second week of the season or the first week of the season. So it was hot as pretty hot in, in Denton, Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, and they won by 40. So it didn't seem to affect them this year. Florida State's a little bit different animal than North Texas, obviously. Cal is, I don't know, like they're not horrible, but not good. You get them in the heat, you get them at home. There's no real look ahead here for you because you have SMU on deck. You if you've taken care of the first three, you, you should take care of number four here. And uh, you think they do parents weekend here? Because I, I, I don't know. You're going to do homecoming for Cal? Yeah, I imagine it'll be parents weekend. They like People like to do parents weekend fairly early. Um, do parents weekend is, is crazy. I mean, I, I think it's busier than, than homecoming, to be honest with you. Um, it's yeah, it's insane how many people come back for that early. I imagine that this would be parents' weekend. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, then a trip to SMU. I think SMU is a top half team in the league. Others who, because it's their first year, so we don't really know exactly how well they're going to compete in the league. Uh, BC beat them in the bowl game, but it was freezing rain in Fenway Park, and I think. I think SMU was a little bit disappointed to be there because they thought they were going to be the the, uh, the team selected to go to the Fiesta Bowl, and instead it was Liberty. And so I can't imagine they were super hyped up to go play in super cold temps in Fenway against Boston College. Uh, but still, they did lose that. So you should be favored there. I will note, SMU does have a bit of a hangover effect here because they have to play TCU the week before and that game is called the Battle for the Iron Skillet, and that is like their Florida, like that—that's their big rivalry in the city. So, um, if you believe in the hangover effect, there's certainly some, uh, you know, some some potential for that there for SMU. Not that they wouldn't care about the FSU game, but still, like that's that's an emotional game for them the week prior, and they did lose last year to TCU. Uh, TCU beat them. Because SMU just couldn't score in the red zone at all, if I recall, uh, on that game. Anyway, I like it's an easy game to fly to. Like, how often do ZFSU play games on the road, man? That's easy to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty close to Love Field, in fact. Uh, not just, uh, yeah, yeah, flying to Dallas. Very easy. 
Exactly. And, uh, um, then the big one. Probably the first game that the first five. I'm not saying you're guaranteed to win them, but there is a hope now that you have the program. There's sort of an expectation of five and zero. Oh. Certainly, if you're an optimistic fan at all, right? If you're modeling mm-hmm. it, like I understand four and one is probably a little slightly more likely than five and zero. Oh, but I mean, if you're rooting out there, like you're thinking, you're thinking five and zero oh is the start. Yeah. Then Clemson comes to town, man. And I don't know, like, is FSU going to be picked to win the league? Is Clemson? Is Miami? I think some people will get cute with Louisville. I'm not buying that, but we'll see. I, this is going to be an all-out war, and uh, it's it ain't going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, this is – I don't want to say the last year because they're still recruiting high-end high school talent, but um, – Clemson's elite pieces are as good as anybody in the league, if not better. You know, I mean, they've still got some supreme pieces. Florida State's top end is is very, very good, and there's pieces on this roster that I wouldn't trade with anybody. But, uh, you know, Clemson still has elements of one of those super high-end high school recruiting teams and programs. But those elements are becoming fewer and fewer. I'll put it that way. it is January 24th, but maybe I missed it today, but Clemson didn't take anybody in the portal. I take it. So I check it every morning. So I'll 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 update you tomorrow morning just in case okay. Clemson snuck one in. Okay. But I so we're still we're still goose egg on the portal, most likely. Um that's very interesting. I mean, I um that was not the feedback that I was getting as far as what was going to occur. Like Same. I there there were some signs that Clemson was starting to engage the portal more aggressively, or at least, you know, the idea of transfers and, you know, trying to well position themselves for kids, you know, I'll put it that way. Um, so didn't come to fruition or at least it hasn't yet. Um, did yeah. you read the athletic article? Uh, I did not. When was this? It was, I think it was Monday about like how Clemson is trying to use the portal and they just haven't landed anybody yet, but they're, they are going after guys and they named some guys that they offered and went after. So, which begs the question, like you guys are pretty good at recruiting high school players. Why do you have to be so bad? At, maybe they're just way too selective or, or, or they're not going about it the right way. Um, I don't know, but they, they named a couple of the, uh, all of a teamy kid who two years ago went went to Michigan, the, the center from UVA, and I think they named two guys this year who they offered. At, but yeah, again, it almost doesn't count. At yeah, least I had a friend of mine talk to me about this article. But didn't they name like four kids over the last three years or whatever? And, was, right, correct. Yeah, yeah, kind of bizarre. Um, I was like, this yeah. is strange. Yeah, um, I love our I love our comment section. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but look there. They still have Parker. They still they still have Woods. They, they still have a bunch of dudes who are are certainly top-line players for them. I am interested, as I think you are alluding to, how weak are the weaknesses? Because we know the strengths are, are really damn strong. Mm-hmm. Do we think that that Garrett Riley is an elite OC? Because he put it on Michigan in the, in the playoff game, and they didn't look great this year. They struggled at times, certainly. Part of that, I think, was receiver. Uh, part of that was probably... Quarterback, does does Kay Clubnick take a leap? 
do the receivers take a leap? I, I, I don't know. Um, if they do take a leap, they're probably a justifiable favorite to win the league. But, but, and I say that because there's no more divisions in a division era. I think Florida State is the favorite to win the league because you get the Clemson home game. Right. So there's a chance that Clemson would get shut out of, of the championship game. But if Clemson actually hits the ceiling on some of these guys, like and they get the offense fixed, fixed, then then I, I think it's I don't know. Like I don't think there's a huge difference between the top couple teams in this league, which makes it very intriguing to, to cover, but certainly nail biting. Yeah. We uh we saw Chad in the chat earlier tonight. Big shout out to the team at Legendary. Uh Chad has helped my man Bud there with two different home loans and Florida State fans. Uh, well into the 500s, probably approaching 550 at this point. Uh, it's been one of the better partnerships in uh, American sport podcasting, and we're ever so fortunate to have uh, Chad and his team working with us. So um, big shout out to them. Bud, you have a unique perspective, having worked perspective, having worked with them twice, and always want to thank the legendary team for what they've done for the Nolcast. 844-FSU loan is the number to call. As far as game day possibilities for Clemson, I'm looking at this. Tennessee, Arkansas, no. Missouri A&M, unlikely. Ole Miss, South Carolina, almost certainly not. Auburn, Georgia, kind of doubt it unless Auburn's early schedules are really cake and then you know they could be undefeated against Georgia, whatever. Uh, but as far as brand name, that that's not really going to get it. UCLA, Penn State, probably not. Iowa at Ohio State, God, I hope not. Uh, although, can't say who it is, but I did hear Iowa might hire a shockingly competent offensive coordinator. So be on the lookout for that if that happens. I was like, wow, okay, this guy must be getting paid a bag uh, <laughs> to do that because obviously they don't play a lot of a lot of offense. Michigan at Washington is one that would be a possibility, but like that's not a great game given everything that Washington lost. Um, so I'm looking at this man, like, like there's Alabama Vandy. No, I, I think that Clemson, Florida state. Do you think this was placed here strategically? Mm. By the ACC? Because this possibly, I like mean, marquee game. yeah, I knew, um, I knew everybody has their, their theories about the ACC. Um, but ACC has got to be careful getting too vindictive against Florida state because it's the only thing that makes its money. I mean, it's the only thing that draws eyes to the sets and, you know, they're going to have to, uh, you know, at some point they've got to go out and champion their own viewership numbers and they need to do that with as strong a case as possible. And, and Florida state's what gives them that opportunity. So um, yeah, I, I don't trust me, you know, there's, Certainly a unique relationship right now, but everybody in, well, I almost started to say Greensboro, I guess now Charlotte, uh, is well aware as to the TV brand that Florida State is and its unique ability to uh, draw national eyeballs that few, if any other, brands or logos in this conference have. That is a shockingly uh, poor weekend aside from that game. And so if the ACC did pick it, great job uh, for sure. SMU Louisville, also like a pretty decent competitive game that I would enjoy watching on that weekend. So if you get through Clemson, 
you get another buy, which is nice. And then you go, it's tech. If you're going to play a short rest road game, short rest, but really what I just mean is weekday, going to play at Duke, which is not a super hostile environment, although Clemson did get clipped this year on the mm-hmm. road at Duke. Uh, pro tip don't fumble four times in the red zone. To avoid that. Uh, and if you do tackle the guy, don't allow him to have like 90 yard returns. <laughs> Pro tip 2.0. Uh, if you're going to play one of these weeknight games, it is helpful to have the extra rest. So I like that. And then because you play the Friday, that means that you get an extra day to prep for Miami. Yeah. Which I listed as an away game, but I should probably just put like, in slash a which is not available but also here stands for like neutral slash away because you know florida state fans are going to show up for that uh and uh and take a knee and they really you know, claim their spot in those stands so i also you gotta like that miami has to go play at louisville the week before mm-hmm. yeah you do absolutely did they play louisville this year i'm trying to think what oh oh they did they did yeah they did play louisville, louisville beat them yeah, yeah. um it's a good setup. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. You get the extra day. Um, what I imagine is you'll fly home. You know, you'll get back to the facility at probably 2 or 3 in the morning on Saturday. Uh, give everybody, you know, you do stuff on Sunday, et cetera. But, you know, have that extra day, rest, and then start to look at at Miami in a, a kind of quasi-neutral site game, as you said there. But, you know, the game you know, at this point, probably, the, probably the, I don't know if it's the game of the season per se, but it's the game that will go the furthest to dictate, you know, what your broader season looks like as far as postseason potential, et cetera, in my opinion. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll uh, – <laughs> We'll circle the calendar because Lord knows that game's not important to people otherwise. Um, but, you know, everybody knows October 26 and everybody knows what it means when those two programs get on the field. Now, I will say Miami's schedule is uh, is quite weak. Yeah. So there is some chance that that is a night game that, that you get uh, that you get game day there. I mean, I'm looking at other games here that are really going to matter. Like Illinois, Oregon's a no. Nebraska, Ohio State's probably not going to be a conflict as far as game day. Also, that'll be on a different network because you know, it's, it's a Big Ten game now. Uh, I mean, LSU A&M, I guess. Oklahoma at Ole Miss certainly could be one if, if Ole Miss is still undefeated by that point or if they're like a one loss. You know, Missouri, Alabama. But we don't have like a – we don't have a Texas, Georgia where it's like, okay, it's obvious they're going to go to that game on that weekend. So, again, ACC – like. I don't know if, if Phillips is pulling some like ninja Swafford type moves here, but that is that's a well scheduled game in terms of getting the national spotlight on your on your your programs. Yeah. I feel bad for Wake Forest. Like FSU being in these spots that are sort of like unopposed. How is the fastest growing program in America in terms of viewership gotta keep yeah. up? Next? How does the brand keep growing? It's a great question, man. It's a great question. Good one. It's a very good one. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I think Miami. Miami went seven and five this year because their coach had one of the all-time dumbass moves I've ever seen. Right? They probably played at like an eight and four type level. Their schedule gets considerably easier. 
they're probably better at every single position except for safety, although I'm willing to hear arguments to the contrary, clearly. And, and some of those better are probably just marginal. But they should be a better team. Like, if I'm a Miami fan, if they don't go 10-2, and two, I'm pretty pissed, given that cakewalk of a schedule and giving like, – this is sort of their chips to the middle type thing, which – They're they're committed from an NIL perspective. Definitely. Ain't no doubt about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, although, I think Florida State is too, man. <laughs> like, like yes, I would say. Florida State is not not hanging back in the cut. Like they, <laughs> they they want to play. Like I, I did do a breakdown today. Um, did you see the rumors about Ohio State's thirteen million dollar transfer class? I I played around with some numbers here, and I just cannot get to that number or even a like. Oh, 13, just the class itself is thirteen million. I thought they were trying to get to a total roster of thirteen. Uh-huh. Lane Kiffin retweeted a, a site that was sort of like a a bro, like bro Bible equivalent. That right. said that they spent $13 million. Like their classes, their transfer class only has five guys. Like, are we talking right. like a five million dollar Will Howard here? Or like a yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um I, yeah. I thought like 3.7 seems a, like even on the high end, but somewhat believable when you're signing like two quarterbacks, you know, an elite running back, you know, like that. But 13 for the whole roster, given that they have a they kind of have FSU situation, mm-hmm. right? A whole lot of guys decided to come back. Because they didn't love their draft stock and thought they could improve it. FSU situation from last year, I guess. Um, so, uh, anyway, yeah, Miami's competitive. Wouldn't it be hilarious if you if you spoiled that, spoil that all in hand that they're pushing on? So you know, just gotta gotta see. Coaching does matter. It it does quite a bit. All right, UNC. We already went over it. You lose Drake May. You lose Tez Walker. You lose Diego Pounds, the starting left tackle. Old Miss manages to, uh, to pluck him away in the transfer portal. No tampering, of course. And a couple other guys as well uh, are gone. I don't know. Like, the higher Jeff Collins at D.C., you, you think um, – I think they take a major step back, but we'll see just how big of a step back that is. It, it feels that way. It feels as though this is a program that had a little – mini window and and maybe missed it but um you know we'll we'll see uh, completely there's there's times where uh that head coach is overperforms when you when you write him off and when you expect a lot maybe it doesn't happen so we'll we'll see what happens there i kind of want alford to troll miami by sending them a request to do FSU's homecoming in hard rock because mm-hmm. of like due to the construction, mm-hmm. right? In, in, in Do- like, do you, could we just do homecoming in Doak South? And just so I can FOIA it and, and make a news item out of it, which would be hilarious. But um, if failing that, it's probably UNC, right? For homecoming, mm-hmm. I would think. Yeah, I would imagine that's your homecoming game. Yeah. Because w- would you do homecoming for Clemson? I guess you could. It just seems homecoming parents weekend back to back early seems. It seems like, like to have that all done by the first week of October seems early. Yep. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, and then you go to Notre Dame. I found the average temperature for November 9th mm-hmm. over the last five years at 7 o'clock, 54 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, not good. freezing to death. That's like bring a yeah. decent jacket. <laughs> That's a good reflection of the two of us. I'll just kind of loosely grab things as I remember it, sometimes accurate. Sometimes not. Uh, Bud goes and grabs a Falmer's Almanac and gives you the temperature of the last five years. So nice, good deal. Not, uh, I mean, look, could it be cold? Yes, 
There's also a year in which it was like 68. Mm-hmm. So in that case, probably no jacket, I would think. There, there's probably some wind at field level. Yeah, was, Bill's asking about that. I <laughs> I don't know. Their grass will probably well, – don't they have turf now? I do believe they have turf. I thought they yes. went turf, yeah. So they can't grow it super long like they did in, did in 1993. Yeah. Um, preliminary thought on Notre Dame. Offensive line takes a fairly significant step back. Uh, Joe Alt is their left tackle who's off to the NFL, mercifully, uh, is one of the better left tackles we've seen in college football in a couple of years. So that is a significant loss. They did add Riley Leonard from Duke. He's a player that, uh, I mean, FSU saw last year, uh, well, albeit he was hurt. So, you know, and then their defense honestly should be the best defense you face. And I don't think by a lot, but if I had to kind of place my chips on what defense is the best defense, I, I think I would go with the Irish. I mean, they have kind of premier players at almost every level. They cover pretty well. Al Golden actually is their DC. So blast from the past. Mm-hmm. I'm beginning to think Al Golden was not a good fit at Miami, but also Miami maybe didn't support him real well. Considering like they out and out lied to him about like when he took the job about what penalties were coming from the NCAA. Remember mm, that? Uh, that's right. That's right. That's a good start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's let's have your head coach pissed off immediately about uh, kind of bait and switch there. Ferg's hitting up in the chat. How do I feel about the new Harvard offensive line transfer? Actually, I was looking at some metrics earlier. Um. So now, granted, this is the Ivy League. His name's Jacob Rizzi, interior offensive lineman. You can't be a graduate transfer and play in the Ivy Leagues. They don't allow it. So if you want to keep playing ball and you're in an Ivy, you got to move somewhere else. Again, Ivy League's not real high-level competition. However, he was uh, within their league 99th percentile in impact block percentage, 99th percentile in havoc rate allowed, uh, 99th percentile in run disruption rate allowed, 91st percentile in stuff rate allowed and uh, like 80th percentile in pressure rate allowed. So I would say um, I feel good, actually. I've not watched his clips yet because I'm just going to wait till he committed, which he did right before he went on the show. So nice get, I think, for Alex Atkins. Like I'm not going to turn down a guy who's that old, who's played a lot of football, who has a decent understanding of what he's doing. You know, we have high hopes for this team. We also are conscious of like one of the goals is don't have a major backslide. You know, like I think that's equally important for Mike's long-term success in Tallahassee is continuing to build on things and and showing that it like you didn't build a team, you're building a program. You know, you could have we can admit last year's team's probably a little better than this year's team, but it doesn't have to fall off off a cliff. So getting a guy that old who's played that much ball. I think that helps you. I don't know if he starts or not. We'll see. But I, I don't hate having that guy on the team. So that's cool stuff there. Um, let me see what else. Oh, so Notre Dame, like that's one of two games that I think you're most likely to be to be an underdog in. But I don't think you're like a major dog unless you've just played worse than I think you're going to play. Or unless Notre Dame just finds an incredible offense somehow, which Leonard's good player but they haven't had receivers for a couple of years so who knows um i mean 
if you get through that game undefeated, you're not guaranteed to go to the playoff, but you're damn close. Yeah, I would. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to see the series of events where you don't make the playoff. I mean, I guess you right. could. Yeah, I mean, if you get through undefeated, even, I mean, we're certainly going to operate in a world in which you win your next two games, particularly thanks to the uh, wonderful fourth, uh, fifth column, rather, that uh, that Bud created for us and for our podcast listeners. It is the teams that play the team <laughs> leading up before Florida State plays them. And for Florida, Georgia, at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, in a year in which they are fully committed, and then Florida State with zero breaks in between. No bye week? Uh, good luck, Florida. Mm. Good luck with that. What are the odds Napier is coaching them? 25%, in my opinion. Yeah, I. that's kind of what I would go with, too. If they fire Strickland this spring or early summer, then, then you got to think that that the writing's on the wall. If they don't, then, then maybe I'm misreading that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you'll get to see some DJ Lagway in that game. Hell, maybe Luke will get in. That'd be cool, uh, or or Brock or you know, whomever. Uh, but that that's tough. I mean, just from an attrition standpoint, man. Even if you're playing better than you, than you could hope to be playing, UGA at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss at at Doak. I mean, I, like, what's the worst team you're playing there? Top 15 level? I mean, UGA is my number one. I think Texas is like my number four. Uh, Ole Miss is like my number six or seven. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm a little high on them. I, I moved FSU into my top 15 and, and you know, after the transfer stuff. I feel so bad for Florida. Like, that's a really – like, I don't know what they're going to do, man. It's just – that's very difficult. Yeah, that's that is tough. Uh, Charleston Southern. Before that, by the way, good game. Take some little kids too. I would say probably nice weather, yeah, nice November weather. Absolutely, could be band day or like uh, boys and girls club day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Although maybe not this year with the stadium capacity reduced. Like you may not have quite as many. You know, may not have as many, and I don't know that you'll have. You know, I, I, last year was obviously a very special year, but. Uh, the, the odds that I would have given you on selling out Northern Alabama last year was, was, was wild. So who knows? This fan base likes to respond to a winner. And if you're, you know, undefeated or maybe if you have one blemish, I could see Charleston Southern being a, a better attended game than maybe we think it would be. I think so too. Man. Also, there's an aspect of it's going to be a tougher ticket than normal. So people, I think, will be more jumping at the opportunity to get a, yeah. you know, get a game like that. Um, so let's discuss a little congruity and then kind of get into like overall recap thoughts and then i've got some interesting looks at other schedules uh, of some of fsu's opponents and other conference contenders yeah congruity has been nothing but a lifesaver for us at the nolcast as a small business been great to partner with from the battles in perspective i can tell you they are officially our payroll partner and uh there are nobody else that i'd rather work with than matt and his team matt lewis fantastic noel been great for uh more than 10 florida state affiliated businesses 
somebody that we wholeheartedly recommend and have, uh, you know, little to zero reservations that they will do, uh, you know, do right by you in the same manner that they have us. So congruityhr.com is the website. Matt Lewis is the person that you want to work with, I can assure you. And we thank them for all that they've done for the Nolcast over the years. Is there a road game that you're really excited to get to on this continent? Uh, I mean, Notre Dame is is a must for me. Absolutely. Have you done it before? I've actually done it for two games that weren't Florida State games. Got it. Okay. So I've gone cool. up there for a couple Georgia Tech games so, nice. with friends. But yeah. Nice, man. Um, all right. So, like, what's our biggest complaint here? If we, if we have, like, we're Florida State guys, we, we have to complain about the schedule. That is ACC tradition. Uh, we need to find something to complain about. What what do we want to complain about here? Yeah, I mean, Miami, UNC, Notre Dame all together again. But I think we're looking at UNC still thinking of them as the team this year and last year. Um, I don't know, man. It's tough. I mean, maybe that you travel to SMU before you play Clemson. But I mean, you, I mean, I'm I'm reaching. I'm reaching. Uh, at least yeah. that's an easy flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's direct. Not that they don't charge charter, but uh, what the three cities that you fly directly to from Tallahassee right now are Dallas, Atlanta, and Charlotte, and yeah. then I think they're adding Fort Lauderdale or something like that in, in the near future. So. Yeah, yeah, it'll be easy flight. Uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot, man. I mean, you and I both, when we got a chance to, to chat earlier in the day, thought that if the schedule looks the way that we thought it was going to, that this is a pretty favorable schedule, and this is this is more or less what, what we thought it would be. 100%. Um, Clemson's schedule. They open with Georgia in a game in which they might immediately regret not taking a couple transfers. Mm. Uh, App State, open date, host NC State, host Stanford, at FSU, at Wake, come home to UVA, open date, Louisville, at the Hokies, at Pitt, I think it's the Citadel logo, and then the Gamecocks in, in Clemson. So they don't play Miami and they don't play – I think that's the only team that they miss of, of consequence. Mm -hmm. Maybe SM – depending on your thoughts on SMU, I guess. That's – I don't think that schedule's like that easy. What game – is Florida State their fifth game or their sixth game? It's their fifth game, but it's in the sixth week because mm -hmm. they have the bye week in week three. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, you know, I, I, I'd be interested to see where that program is by chance if they're at, if they find themselves at three and two again and how they respond to that. Um, yeah, not not an easy schedule by any means, but uh, something that Clemson fans can look at, I'm sure, and find themselves. Uh, you know, a path to the ACC championship. That is a, I'd forgotten they opened with, with Georgia. Damn. Damn. Ooh. That is in the that. dome. That's in the dome. Yeah. 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 Uh, although Georgia in that dome doesn't play very well, as I'm sure you know, some UGA fans will remind you. Yeah. 
<laughs> Although against Oregon, they did. Yeah. They, yeah, true. They true. beat the crap out of them. Okay, so Louisville. I think that's Austin P. Don't hold me to these FCS logos, man. Jacksonville State, open date, Georgia Tech, at Notre Dame, host SMU, host UVA, host Miami, at Boston College on a Friday, um, at Clemson, open date, host Stanford, or sorry, at Stan- at Stanford, host Pitt, Kentucky. I, I don't like that for them. I mean, they yeah. missed FSU, but... I don't like this Notre Dame or at Notre Dame, Georgia Tech at Notre Dame, host SMU at UVA, host Miami at Boston College on a short week, mm-hmm. and then at Clemson. Like that, I don't think I'm buying this Louisville, this Louisville team, man. Like I like Jeff Brom, got a lot of respect for him, but I, I bought them this year partially because of schedule. And this, I don't know yeah, the schedule. I mean, your schedule this year was one of the more, um, you know, friendly things that we've seen. And credit to them, they made the made the ACC championship game. Uh, what twenty seven kids in the portal so far? Something like that. I mean, they're they're obviously uh, turning turning the locker room and yeah, interesting. Some of their you know more recent additions. So um, you know, um, yeah, they're, they're committed to seeing how it works out in the portal. So, uh, Paul H. wants to talk about Gilbert Ebbin and how South Carolina's coach, Shane Beamer, said he was going to be a starter in Tallahassee. Guys, <laughs> I I think FSU's out of place now program-wise and, and be thankful that they are, that we can largely focus on what's happening internally. And we don't – I mean, we, we can joke about it, and it is funny because it's pretty clear if you watch Gilbert Ebbin that he was not going to be a starter. And, you know, he didn't didn't progress quite like they hoped he would. I I don't have anything against the kid. I hope he does well for South Carolina. He actually had a pretty good game against Florida two years ago uh, before he came down. But I don't know. Like, I'm kind of over it when they're like, oh, this kid was going to be a starter, but he's going to Colorado. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'm sure McClendon was going to start. Yeah. Right. Um, so let me see here. Miami. This is interesting. At the Gators, which I think – they better win that. Just given you know, given what Florida was this year and what the expectations are, then Fam Ball State at USF. Then they come back and they play Virginia Tech on a short week, but it is at home. Then they go at Cal, open date at Louisville, host FSU, host Duke at Georgia Tech, open date Wake Forest at Syracuse. So they don't play Clemson. They don't play NC State, and they don't play SMU. This ain't quite the Louisville schedule of last year, but it it is fairly easy by everybody else's standards. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Miami fan, you go to like, all right, Mario. Yeah, sets up well. I'm, I echo your sentiments. Week one needs to go well for them. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't, I could see some some quit factor uh, mm-hmm. potentially. Oh, they didn't quit this year when they had some tough losses. Like they, yeah. there was a real chance I thought they could against Boston College, and they coming off the Louisville loss, and they went up there and they played hard and spanked them. So who knows? It, it's it's hard to tell. Let's skip UNC. NC State's done a pretty good job in the portal, and they, I know they like their team a lot. What they have coming back, uh, Western Carolina 
Charlotte, uh, or sorry, Tennessee in Charlotte, La Tech at Clemson, then NIU, Wake Forest, Cuse at Cal, open date, Stanford, Duke, open date at Georgia Tech. And that's a Friday game, which means they get one extra day of rest to play North Carolina. So no Miami, no FSU, no SMU, no Virginia Tech for NC State. That's pretty favorable, man. That's, yeah. Uh, Pitt, skip, SMU. I'm going to skip, I think. Do I need to skip them? Yeah, they, they, they get FSU and Louisville, but they do dodge Clemson and Miami. So that's actually pretty nice for them. Um, and then the last one I think we actually need to care about here is probably the Hokies because they do return a ton. Vandy, Marshall, Old Dom, Rutgers. Okay. Decent, like, non-con start that they could easily go 4-0 in. Mm-hmm. At Miami on short rest. At Stanford. But again, it's an extra travel day because the you're coming off that open date at Boston College on a Friday. But again, you're off an open date, so it's not really a problem to play a short rest week there. Uh, Georgia Tech at home at Cuse, host Clemson at Duke, host UVA. So no FSU, but they do get Miami and Clemson. Um, and they get Georgia Tech. Of all these, I think NC State and Miami have the the most favorable draws in terms of who you play, who you don't play, and where you play them and win. Mm-hmm. But FSU is probably like fourth among the teams. I don't know. Like, there's three teams to me that I think, if they play to their ceiling, could win it. And there's probably four other teams that I think, if the top three teams all screw around and you play to your ceiling and everybody else kind of messes up, that I could – crazier things have happened than, you know – SMU, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Louisville winning if somehow Clemson, FSU, Miami all mess around. Mm-hmm. I think the other teams in the league just cannot do it. Like the other nine, I, I don't think have a real shot, personally. Yeah. You know, and I don't really think the, like the last four that I listed have a real, real good shot, but I just, I can't, I don't know. I can't totally dismiss it, if, if you know what I'm saying there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's worth, uh, Virginia Tech's an interesting team. They're, they're going to be okay. They've got a decent schedule. You know, maybe they maybe they put something together there. Their retention was good. Like I don't think their acquisition in the portal was anything special, but their retention was pretty good. Like they kept a lot of guys. They're you know they've got a fan base that's hungry to try to be competitive. I don't you know it ain't never going to be 2008 again or whatever in my opinion when it comes to Virginia Tech football. But um, they're they're trying to put it together as much as they can. For sure. Um, I think that's. We're going to break down some transfers tonight, but we've gone an hour and five minutes. So why don't we push that to the next show? And then we need to do our snap count draft recap and what we learned from it. And then uh, I think we have also some Mike Norvell highlights to go over, which is pretty dope. Nice. And we're going to open up another pack of Seminole Legends cards. Nice. Rob, we will also do your question. I know you've asked it a couple of times. I think it's more than just a, two minute answer at the end of a 70 minute podcast. Uh, so we've started. Yeah. It's a good question. We'll, we'll get to it. If you want to see some live show planning, here it is. I actually talked with the guy today. Um, who's working on a project about 
what different states allow in terms of private equity and state government. Mm. And so uh, what we found is Florida is actually very permissive with it, which I think you probably would expect given that FSU has been poking around the the PE stuff quite a bit. Uh, But I'll probably have him on uh, to discuss this further in terms of how you could structure this. He actually had some interesting ideas of how to structure it if you needed to go the PE route, right? Uh, but that kind of ties into to what Rob's talking about a little bit. So, and it is an important question. I, I don't want to uh, ignore it. Let's see here. Shout out to the camera showing the stadium renovations. Have you been watching the, uh, the stadium reno camera? Um, I've got a lot of friends of mine who, you know, Aren't you wild at the that. idea of taking dope. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. I kind of feel like we're we're like doing another logo conversation a little bit. You know, some people are like, "Oh no, I mean, I see where it needs to happen," and other people are like, "What the what in the world are we doing?" Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I've got a couple group chats that uh, aren't aren't wild on dope at sixty k. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I'm kind of split on it. Yeah, I would be really more in the what the hell are y'all doing uh, spot if Doak was in Gainesville mm-hmm. or if Doak was closer, like just if Doak was in Athens or Gainesville or Birmingham or excuse me, Tuscaloosa, which is like right. 70 minutes, you know, from yeah. if it had a real like major metropolitan area and a couple like uh, sort of ancillary, ancillary yeah. metropolitan, I would be, yeah, I mean, Doak's ancillary populations are like Thomasville, Cairo. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, limited. Yeah. limited. One one million percent. So cool, buddy. This is uh, it's been fun. Thoroughly enjoyed it as always. Thank you to all our sponsors. Thank you to everybody that was in the chat. Uh, great engagement. Appreciate you. Thank you to the traditional podcast listeners. Uh, awesome to see those numbers continue to grow. For a podcast that honestly I wasn't sure really was going to see a whole lot more growth when it comes to, you know, traditional listenership. There's so much been such a transition over to YouTube and, and other ways, but uh, yeah, it's great to see. So uh, awesome. Appreciate all the support we've received. And we'll have another show uh, probably, uh, what, probably Friday, I imagine. I think Friday, um, I may cut a little solo one. I'm going to battle seven on seven uh, in Miami this weekend. So I may cut a little just like, hey, here's some guys that are on FSU's radar to watch out for before I hit the road on that. If if you're like a serious recruiting nerd, you may enjoy that. Mm-hmm. If you're not, uh, just download it and hit the thumbs up anyway. But you, I understand if you want to skip rec- recruiting talk in, in you know, very late January for the next cycle. But some people really do enjoy it. So uh, we'll, we'll give – we, we try to feed the diehard some here, and, and uh, I think they, they become sort of our disciples to more of the casuals. So, um, cool, man. I uh, will hit you up. And we do need to do our recap on the – we did defense for the transfer class with the exception of Sean Murphy, I think. Yeah. So, I have some Sean Murphy thoughts, and which I think are mostly positive. I have a little question – like some things make me question, but I, I, I think I understand what they're doing that. And I think you have to give these guys the benefit of the doubt in what they do in the transfer portal, clearly. like <laughs> They freaking killed it multiple years in a row. Uh, even if they regress some, they're still like, what are you regressing to? Like mm-hmm. a top five transfer? <laughs> you know? Right, right. Uh, yeah. 
And then we need to hit offense a little bit. DJ, the receivers, obviously the offensive line. It's kind of good we waited because now, now they took the uh, the Rizzy kid from Harvard. So, Yeah, no, let's do a little spoiler alert. I think you got something in Malik Benson. I think you, you got very excited about what the kid's future looks like and Roy Dell Williams as well. So, yeah. I like this a lot because if you look at this, the Juco stuff was awesome. And you don't put that high of a grade on a junior college kid, like like this extremely high graded Juco kid. And I mean, Alabama doesn't waste a whole lot of spots on junior college receivers, you know. And then he gets to Bama and we'll, we'll get into it. But basically he ran a boatload of routes and didn't do a damn thing with those mm-hmm. routes. Yeah. All right, this is kind of concerning, but also they were running. I mean, I'm not going to call it Wildcat. That's not nice. The efficiency numbers were good. Mm-hmm. If you actually watched the passing game, like with the eyes and not the stat sheet for Bama, I'm not really sure that was all Benson's fault. So, uh, and you only kind of need him for one thing, right? Like, hey, I need you to be really freaking fast. Yeah, well, good, good. I got good news, bud. He is. He's fast. <laughs> He's real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that Pokey Wilson route? Yeah. Deep over. Yeah. Repeat. <laughs> awesome. Cool, man. That is really exciting news, and we will uh, we will uh, get together again very soon. Yep. Awesome.